0: Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things The Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name's Eric Carter, and I am your host, and I am joined once again by uh, my co host as long as he doesn't spoil the Flash for me,
1: Joe Fornerato. Joe, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, and if I do, it would not be intentional. Uh, right now, I can't spoil it for you. I have not seen it yet, but um, ah, uh, man, you got me, you got me going now. I, I hopefully at the time of recording this, I will be uh, an hour into the Flash uh, in my screening tomorrow night. I cannot wait to see this movie. Yeah, I'm so thankful that I, I I can't even believe how well it worked out for me that I get to go see this tomorrow.
0: Yep, and I am not jealous at all, not one bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, congratulations! That's awesome that you get to uh, that you get to see it. And uh, I want to know nothing, but that's cool. Um, I know there's very limited screening, so if you guys out there, the listeners, if you guys have got a limited screening, if you're able to go see the Flash tomorrow, that is. At, well, as of the time of this recording tomorrow, uh, Monday the 22nd. If you get to see The Flash, that's really cool. But be a good person. And no spoilers. But we are officially on the road to The Flash because in a little less than a month, we all get to see it. June 16th, it drops for the world. And the next several episodes are kind of our journey to the film. So we are kind of on a, on a path to get to the flash and you know joe there are several uh anniversaries you know we love to do anniversaries there's several uh, milestone anniversaries that are actually falling into line and fit perfectly to talk about in the lead up to the flash don't you think
1: yeah definitely and it's funny because like the anticipation for the movie um it's been so much fun like doing this you know uh, whether you want to call it like a, a rewatch to lead up to it, like the films we're going to be covering. I had to like speed it up a little bit because I, I was spacing mine out to make it uh, last me. Cause that's part of the fun is watching this stuff and, and getting amped up for the movie. So um, I'm glad that we are recording this one when we are. So I made sure I got this one in and I started my, my rewatch of these movies early enough where I, I am going to be able to cram them all in and, yeah, this one is probably the most uh, I don't want to say convenient, but it's the most um uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? accurate <laughs> or uh relevant? Yeah, well, I mean,
0: I guess the one we're going to talk about next time is is pretty relevant as well just based on the trailers we've seen, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um so without burying the lead or or being any more vague, Today, we are discussing the now 10-year-old, well, almost 10. We're, we're discussing it early, but the 10-year-old DC animated film, Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. And this movie came out in 2013, July, I believe. So we are just a, a little bit early, but it felt succinct. It felt like a good time now that we're getting to The Flash itself, the feature film that is apparently very, very heavily uh, motivated and influenced by Flashpoint, the comic, and as is this movie we're talking about today. Uh, So, Joe, without further ado, let's get into talking about Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. Okay, so Joe, the first thing I want to talk about, uh, just off the top here, is Justice League: The Flashpoint Paradox. Is one hellacious title for a DC animated film. Um, I think it's a little much, but I've always <laughs> thought that title was just cumbersome. What do you What do you think, just off the top, about the title of the movie?
1: I, I honestly never thought about it. I know you had even said that to me, like when we were when we were talking about doing it, because. I think you had said like we're going to cover flashpoint or whatever we were discussing. I'm like, wait, are we covering the movie or the or the book? And you were like, no, a flashpoint paradox, the movie. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, And yeah, I I think, yeah, the paradox thing is the one that's like why I get the Justice League thing, like push it as a Justice League film. It's easily at the time. It was much easier to market Justice League than it would have been the flash. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get that. And Yeah, I mean, I can't believe this thing's only already 10 years old. Um, But yeah, the the title, yeah, I guess the Flashpoint Paradox is a little much. uh, It's a long title, but it never really occurred to me that much because I didn't think about it because I just refer to it as the Flashpoint movie. Um, Mm. I don't even really consider like Justice League. I just got the Flashpoint movie. That's it. Um, We have a there are a lot of movies out there that have like the. not disappointing titles, but titles that aren't the best and you kind of just forgive it and move on and, and don't even like relate it to being a bad title. You just relate it to the film that you saw.
0: Yeah, completely. I mean, I, unless I'm being specific, I do always refer to this as flashpoint. Um, cause that's what it is. Uh, but yeah, I compl- like you. I completely understand putting the Justice League branding on it, but just call it Justice League Flashpoint. <laughs> you know, we don't need mm-hmm. we don't need the the we don't need the paradox. Um, it's, it's just yeah. But either way, we're not going to beat that to death. I just thought it, it, it is a little cumbersome. So I thought I'd bring it up uh, as a nitpick because I do like to start with the negatives mostly and then go positive. So while we're at that, um, I will say that my biggest nitpick with this film just to get it out of the way early and by the way for you listeners this movie is 10 years old so we're not doing a spoiler free section if you haven't seen the movie stop here go watch it and come back but chances are you have if you're listening to this show but back to what i was saying uh, my major nitpick with this film is the art style i always forget because generally i love this movie um I love how faithful it is, but I always forget until I rewatch it that this art style is just, it wasn't a good choice in my opinion. Um, some of the characters, they just look very strange out of pro- the proportions. I think the body proportions are really, really weird. So I just wanted to bring that up right off the top and, and give you a second joke. Cause I know you had kind of mirrored um, my, my, irritation with the arts in our personal conversation. So what do you think about this art style?
1: Well, the art style is weird because I think I said to you, like in certain instances, the art looks fine. Like it's, it's like they chose different characters to go with those extreme proportions. Well, like Mm -hmm. even for Thomas Wayne, it doesn't really bother me that much, but like, I think Superman looks really bizarre in the beginning. Um, Like, they look bloated, for lack of a better term. (laughs) Like, I I don't... And it's funny because I don't even remember that being an issue I had because I think I just accepted the movie for what it was when it first came out. But now that I think we've gotten so many other films with different animation styles that, like, you go back and watch this and you're like, whoa, like, this is jarring. But it's, it's not consistently jarring either. That's what I think baffles me. Like, when you look at, like, Barry, he looks perfectly fine. Like, Barry... Mm -hmm. even the flash and reverse flash look fine it's just certain characters they they kind of did some weird things with where where, like you said the proportions they look like too big like like i I keep saying bloated i don't know why like i don't know but again it's not it's not like a deal breaker or anything for me i just felt like imagine this with the the style they chose to go forward with, which I get, like, they don't need to do that, but I think just a more traditional style might've been better, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Well, and I think what I noticed, cause I watched this twice,
0: um, in, pr- in preparation for the episode, what I noticed is the characters who generally tend to be slimmer, uh, look normal. Yeah. Exactly. In this, in this movie. And if you stop and think about it, they look bigger than they should, but next to all these other characters that are just, like you said, kind of bloated, they look normal. Like Flash mm-hmm. looks great. Wonder Woman looks great. Lois Lane looks great. But like, and even even the Thomas Wayne Batman, I think he looks pretty good. Um, but yeah, Superman, Aquaman, some of these characters, even Shazam, they just look strange. Uh, yeah. so it's almost kind of an anime style.
1: Yes. And it, it just I've kind seen of people make that. I've seen people make that comparison, which I, I don't know. It's I guess because we associate anime with extreme, but I I, I almost don't even want to like just chalk it up to an anime style as a negative because I don't mm-hmm. think that's fair. But I think it's almost like a that's our like association with it for some reason to almost like give it an excuse. But I I almost feel like that's dismissing it. Um, almost dismissing anime because I I don't like when you look at. Something like Batman Gotham Knight, like the characters weren't bloated in that. It had that style to it, but not the proportions that we're talking about. Mm. Yeah.
0: But it, it just, I think the biggest frustration is I think Andy Kubert's art is pretty, I think it should be one of those that is, I guess, easier to homage, if that makes sense.
1: It'll translate somewhat easily. Yeah, yep.
0: like it seems like like it seems like this would translate much easier than Frank Miller's art, and you, we all know what they did with the Dark Knight Returns. So I don't know, it's just yeah. confusing with the with the choices here. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, what is not a nitpick for me, and this is the next kind of point I wanted to get to, is this voice cast. I mean, wow. I, we always talk about how great DC's voice casting is, but have you looked down the list of voices?
1: For this so movie, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I am, I don't know what it is about this movie, but I never thought about the voice cast ever. And I, I didn't look it up prior to rewatching it. And the minute I heard cyborg's voice, I go, wait a second. I go, that sounds familiar. <laughs> and then I like two minutes later, I'm like, no, that can't be, I like, it sounds like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, it's gotta be like a sound alike." there's no way they got Michael B. Jordan for this. And sure as hell. Mike, I do not remember Michael B. Jordan, uh, Michael B. Jordan doing the voice of cyborg in this. And I know there's a ton of other big actors that are in this, but that's the one that I was like, was it so long ago that he wasn't on my radar back then? Is that possible? I don't know, but wow. Like what a, what a get for this. Well, it's 10 years ago. So
0: we t- didn't have him as Creed yet. Correct. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, this is even prior to, sorry to bring it up, but this is prior to Fantastic Four, isn't it? Because that was 2012, 2000, uh, wait, no, was that no, 2014? Was, I think it was 15. It was 15. Yeah. Because this was 2012. I'm sorry. Or 2013, obviously the book was 2012 because right. obviously 10 year anniversary, idiot. Um, <laughs> I but, think uh, at,
0: at that time, the only thing I would have known him from uh, was Chronicle.
1: And okay, I don't know. Yeah, and I didn't
0: watch that. Oh, okay. oh man. Watch Chronicle. So it came out the year before this movie. Um, and it's kind of a, it's a found footage superhero film.
1: Yeah. I know of it because that's what got Josh Trank the gig for fantastic four. And right. I didn't realize Michael B. Jordan was in with that, but that makes sense with that. movie. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I I really like that movie. I think it's kind of a hidden gem, but that is the only thing that I would have known Michael B. Jordan from at this time. And Mm -hmm. like you, when I was looking through the cast list, because I honestly, I didn't even think about it when I was watching the movie um, this time. I didn't catch the voice somehow, but then on the second watch, I was like, Oh yeah, obviously that's who that is. Um, But yeah, it's not just, um, It's it's not just Michael B. Jordan. I mean, of course, you've got the legendary Kevin Conroy as Batman, um, which you don't get a ton of him. You get him at the beginning and you get him a little bit at the end. Um, You've got C. Thomas Howell. uh, You know, Kevin McKidd is Thomas Wayne Batman. Uh, Justin Chambers is, of course, the Flash. But then you have names like Nathan Fillion. Danny Houston, Jennifer Hale, you know, just names that, that have popped up so much in DC lore and Danny Houston, especially because that's, I mean, you know, Danny's got a kind of a legacy cast, uh, cast with DC now because he was the villain in Wonder Woman. So do you remember him? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that was a, that was one of those voices that popped out immediately because he's on, he's, he's uh on succession, the HBO series. And my wife and I have been watching that. So he's been on, he's been on my mind recently. And as soon as I heard general Sam Lane start talking, I was like, that's Danny Houston. So yeah, just an incredible cast here uh, for this movie. Was there any standouts for you upon a rewatch?
1: Um, not as far as recognizing the voices, but, um, just going through the list, like you got Dana Delaney Mm -hmm. doing Lois Lane, another legacy casting, obviously. And, um, the woman that plays Nora Allen, I, when I looked at her, I was like, oh, she looks familiar. Like, I feel like I've seen that, you know, IMDb photo somewhere and she did Selena Kyle in the Arkham games. So they, they have pulled some, uh, so, you know, more legacy castings for this. And I, you know, there, there's a ton of, uh a ton of good you know voice actors in this that really were kind of one and done which is kind of a shame but it's it's almost like the forgotten like it's weird because I I know this film really well but as far as like the voice cast that almost was like went under the radar for me I I never even I never put too much thought into who did the voices of this like it's one of those Mm -hmm. Mandela effect things where I might have just always assumed it was the same actors that we've had for years I, I don't know it's it's weird, yeah. Well, and I
0: almost forgot to mention we even get Ron Perlman in this, mm-hmm. in a very tiny part because he's he's barely in it uh, as Slade Wilson, Deathstroke. But I mean that shows you because Ron Perlman, even in 2013, that was not a small get for an animated film. I mm-hmm. mean, I know he does a lot of voice voice work, but at that time, you know, he was he was all in the swing of Hellboy and things like that. So I mean, his You know, his stardom was was pretty on the rise at the time. So yeah, Ron Perlman's great little, great catch for a tiny little part here. Uh, But anyway, let's get into the story um, itself. I mean, it's, as we said earlier, it is very close to the story we get in the book. Obviously, this was written by Jim Krieg. Although, if you look at IMDb, and I'm not sure if it's just because the book was written by them or if it, if it's an actual real writing credit, but Jeff Johns and Andy Hubert are credited as writers as well.
1: Yeah. Cause in, in IMDb, when you click on it, it does say based on the graphic novel flashpoint by Jeff. Ah, Johns. Gotcha. So that's probably why it's probably a legal thing. Like you, you better give him credit because it is basically his story, which makes sense. Um, mm-hmm and i you know just with the story itself for this film uh if we're going to get right into it i think the the great thing they did with this is they not only took the main story of flashpoint they did a really good job of giving you a little bit more of each of the tie-ins cuz i did when when i saw this movie i don't think i had read i don't think i had actually read the flashpoint main story i think i had just read um the batman tie-ins for whatever reason and i had never realized that's an odd choice but (laughs) yeah i don't know why i don't know what the reasoning was but i just i think because i knew about the whole thomas wayne thing i wanted to read that trade and i had that trade um but i never had flashpoint (laughs) so Um, I don't think I really knew what I was reading. I think I just wanted something like I heard about the Thomas Wayne thing and, and just picked it up. But I had never realized that the whole Martha Wayne reveal is not in the Flashpoint story, the, the main story. It's strictly in the Batman tie-in. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool that they chose to put that in for this because it it's a pretty interesting part of the story. And they did a lot more with Hal Jordan. They did a lot more with... A lot of the other side characters too. I, I think they did a really good job of giving you just a little bit more of each of those stories because I think the the main story of Flashpoint the book is very streamlined. It's a very quick read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And it,
0: well, and we just mentioned Ron Perlman as Slade Wilson. I mean, even the Deathstroke stuff in the movie is from the tie-ins because mm-hmm. Deathstroke had his own tie-in for Flashpoint. Um and you know each of there there's some stuff they touch on between you know um Arthur and Diana that is from the tie-in comics so yeah they, they do a very good job of of stringing that in through the movie and it you know it kind of works as padding the runtime but it it, it doesn't
1: feel like that if that well, makes let's sense giving you more of that Flashpoint world which I think is is so good for this movie and yeah like yeah it is technically padding the runtime but it's giving you stuff that is just you know spreading out into that world that like what kind of world did barry create with this and that's Mm -hmm. i think that's really good especially for someone like that just read the the main story you're watching this movie now and you're getting a little bit more tidbits and you're like oh like i wonder what all that's from and now you can go back and kind of read the tie-ins because it's interesting yeah exactly
0: oh and and we would be remiss not to mention that this is uh this was directed by jay Aliva who is very well known in the DC movie space. So that I did want to give him some credit there. Um, But yeah, so so far as like was interesting when I started watching this movie um, for the rewatch here, the whole kind of justice league portion at the beginning Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, they're going after the rogues. That is, that is not from the book
1: at all. Is it? Is that part no, of some of the tie-ins? Because nope, I don't... Is, it, if it's from, like, maybe the Flash tie-in, that's possible, but I don't think so. Um, I, th- I think it I was had, created for the movie. That's the idea I always got. Because, mm. also remember, they went with the pre-crisis death of his mom for this, which is very interesting. Because... Reverse Flash killing his mother is a pretty important part of the Flashpoint book. Mhm. Where in this they chose to go with the random uh robber, which was the pre-crisis version of maybe I think that's the pre-crisis. Yeah, because Barry dies in crisis, so you don't really hear anything about that till Flashpoint or Rebirth. Um mm-hmm flash rebirth not rebirth the the story um the event but so i i found that very interesting and just while you were talking about jay Oliva, i want to throw in there so imagine jay Oliva directed target <laughs> night returns in 2012 and then this in 2013 like what a what a consecutive run there <laughs> oh he was on a he was on a hot streak
0: for sure Yeah, because it's but, what it's two of the most well-regarded dc
1: animated films i would say I'd imagine so. Yeah, I mean, everyone pretty much holds Dark Knight Returns pretty high, and I think for for the Justice League stuff, I think this one is definitely up there.
0: Yeah, but what I do like about that is that 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 whole intro section. I like that it does establish this as a Justice League film,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because I mean, as as focused as Flashpoint is on the Flash and his world and what's going on with him. I mean if you think about it this is a very Justice League story because you do get kind of a an alternate reality Justice League. Yes. So Even in
1: the book too. In the book too and Yeah, exactly. But, but the book doesn't give you the the um Prop The Justice League proper, like we get in the beginning of this, to show you the alternate versions of like, to show the Flash working so well with his team, to then show Mm -hmm. you the alternate versions of them in the movie. It, It works really well that way as a film.
0: I like it. Yeah, I do like it in the film because it shows the like you were saying, the Justice League is kind of a well oiled machine there. So Mm -hmm. when everything does go to crap and you have this alternate reality, I think it reinforces
1: how important that cohesive, you know, heroic Justice League is. Oh, because the first thing he thinks of when he's in the alternate reality is I need to find the Justice League. Mm-hmm. You know he he needs to know like who these other heroes are, and the first one he comes across is Batman, which obviously runs runs the whole story. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a really w- this is an example of like taking the source material and changing it ever so slightly, but still the same story at heart. Doesn't um adds things to add more action, um, but doesn't change. Core storylines to for shock value or for just the sake of being different, like I mean, the I think I asked you, like, is the Captain Adam thing in a tie in at all? I, you know, I meant to look that up and i
0: i completely forgot. I so don't, it's definitely not in the main that. story
1: because the no, whole, it's not the final act of the main story, I mean, or the final issue, whatever you want to call it for the book, like. I don't remember anything happening to force Barry to have to make a decision that instant in the book. Like there's not a huge climax fight. He just, I'm trying to remember. He learns that he can kill. What is it? They learned that they can kill reverse flash kind of the same way in this, but they learned that they can kill him and it wouldn't stop him from existing. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read the book now after seeing the movie, Um, do you remember exactly how that, and I hate to go like be on a tangent here. of comparing it to the book, but I I think it just, I'm using it to try to cement the fact that I think the, the movie did a really good job of adding certain layers and giving you more action because it's an animated film. You want to have those action beats and, and have a real, you know, a villain confrontation at the end and, and have this crazy thing where all the heroes are doing their own thing. And I I don't remember that happening in the book. I think the book ends pretty abruptly.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he, you know, Thomas convinces him to run back to not only, you know, it's a mercy for the people in this world that he's created, but also to save the world that, you know, he came from. Um, So there's no like racing against the clock. It's just, he's got to, he's got to get back. You know, and correct all these mistakes. So it, it it isn't really a race against time. And there's even that section which I, it, which is not in the movie, where he actually sees his mom briefly mm-hmm. before he gets. But do you remember that?
1: I do. He actually says like, "I'm sorry, mom." In the book,
0: yeah, he has a conversation with with her.
1: Um, and in the movie,
0: to my recollection, unless I'm just completely missing something, I don't think that happened. Um, You're talking at the end or in the at the end as he's racing back through time.
1: I don't remember because now I'm going to get them confused with one another. (laughs) Exactly. Doesn't he learn that it's the reverse flash much earlier in the book? Say that one more time. I feel like he learns that reverse flash is the reason this is happening earlier in the book. I believe so,
0: um, but I I don't recall. I like like you. It's I mean I just I actually read Flashpoint recently, but so did know. I. But
1: I'm still having trouble determining which one was which in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but either way, in the movie, yeah, that, that I do remember that he talks to his mother. He kind of has a pit stop on his way mm-hmm. back to his reality in the book and talks to his mom, and that doesn't happen in the movie. In the movie, he is in this race against time to stop the Captain Adam.
1: Explosion, You're right. Basically. Yes, I want to say in the book, his mom says something like, "He says like I'm sorry, I can't save you," and she's like, "It's okay because how many lives will you be saving by letting me die or something like that?" Like it was a it was a very nice conversation between the two of them in the book, and I'm surprised mm-hmm. that they didn't leave that emotional beat in this, because um, I think it would have been nice, uh, but you know that you can only. You can only do so many things exactly like the book. They probably wanted to do a little uh, something different and and just do their own thing, which is fine. I, again, I have no real complaints about the movie. I think the movie does a great job.
0: Yeah. And do you remember, I'm trying to, do, do you remember what the, what the rating is on this one? Is it PG 13?
1: So I wanted to talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is PG 13. And this movie has always been the example for me of, there is no reason you ever need to make one of these are if this. No, movie, cause it pushes the boundaries. Holy crap. Does it? And I mean, I'm watching, <laughs> I'm like replaying it. Now I was scanning through it and stuff like you see cybers heart beating as he's about to die. Um, arms are getting chopped off. There is blood everywhere in this thing. I mean, reverse Flash's Death is a hole in his head. Like, mm-hmm they pushed that PG-13 so far in this that I really question, like, did the MPA, like, fall asleep while they were rating this? And that's why we now get R-rated ones, because DC is like, oh, well, this got a PG-13, so therefore this will get a PG-13. Or is it, like, I don't know. I can't figure it out, because this one's brutal.
0: Like, well, I mean, you Tom... see Mara's
1: head hanging, like... <laughs> Yeah, when Thomas
0: shoots, uh, when Thomas Wayne shoots Reverse Flash at the end, you can see the brains inside oh, yeah. his head.
1: I mean, so Wonder it's... Woman chops off Mara's head and then holds it out, and like you, it's right in front of the camera. Like, so they're not. If this was live action, there is no doubt it would be R. <laughs> but. The fact that this got to be, that's why part of me wonders, like, do we unfairly judge the rating because of this one where I, I do feel like maybe, maybe the NPA let a few things slide on this one? Um, It's weird. Well, for this,
0: I, I feel like even some of the newer films,
1: it's the language that gets these, the newer ones, the yeah, R ratings. Yeah, like, do you think this one violence wise is worse than Long Halloween? Because I don't. No, I think they're on par with each other. Yeah, Um, but, like, what, the Long Halloween got the R rating for the 1 F-bomb in Part 2? Like, that's just so stupid. Like, why bother? Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, The the difference there, the MPAA giving this a PG-13 and Long Halloween Part 2 an R, makes no sense to me. But (laughs) it is what it is. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, um, I, I think... I'm trying to think now of like some of the biggest differences between the two, between the book and the, and the film. But I think the driving point is, you know, Flash has made this mistake of going back and trying to fix things in the past and has made a horrible, horrible new reality. What's interesting to me, and I never thought about it when reading the book, but I thought about it this time watching the movie. Is they make it very clear that this is not like an Else Worlds, this is not another dimension or exactly. another, this is you know, th- this is not Earth 276 or whatever. This is Barry's Earth. I mean, this yes. is the primary DC universe, and what he's done has
1: altered, you know, the reality of his universe. Yeah, they're so, not they're not doing the Marvel method where When you alter time, you're creating alternate timelines. No, time is different than the multiverse. They are saying if you go back in time, it has a ripple effect on your timeline, your current Earth, everything like it's you are messing with time and it what is it? Um. You know, like he says, like, it even affected things that happened prior to him saving his mother, which I thought was fascinating. I don't remember if that's explained in the book or not, but I love that little addition to this because Barry's like, no, how could me saving my mom um, affect things that happened prior to that? And reverse Flash is like, oh, when you mess with time, it has a ripple effect forward and backward. And I thought that was really cool. Which makes,
0: which makes sense actually, because you're messing with time as a whole, yeah. not which just almost like if
1: what? you, it's funny. Cause I was actually going to say like, to me, it doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense because like nothing with time travel makes sense. So if you say it and you believe it, like who cares <laughs> and mm. you stick to it, like I get it. Like you're, you're like, you just said, you're, you're messing with time as a whole. You're it's fracturing that whole essence of time travel and, and, and I, I, I love that, that like fake science fiction reality of it. And I, I just think that's so cool to give you something with some such conviction that you're like, okay, like I'll go with that. I'll buy that. Well,
0: what I like about it the most is that it gives, it makes the stakes feel more real.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Because, you know, if it's an, if it's an alternate earth, you know, sure you would love for these people to be saved, but at the end of the day, um, as long as it's not your earth, what does it matter? But it completely is because even though, even if he accomplishes his goal and saves, you know, his reality, he's ending this reality that he's now in and Mm. all the lives that are in it. So that's a, that's a hell of a conundrum because you're basically killing this entire reality to make yours, you know, viable. Which, of course, this reality sucks and, you know, nobody in it wanted it to continue. But still, that's I think that's uh, that's some pretty big stakes.
1: Well, that was an ethical conversation that he had with or a moral conversation he has with Thomas, where he's like, you didn't tell Cyborg why we're doing this. And he and Mm -hmm. Thomas basically like he doesn't need to know. And and Barry's like, I think he has a right to know, like we're doing this to end this world. Like, but it just becomes like a a known thing that like everyone understands this world is beyond saving at this point. The only way to save this world is to destroy it and bring back the old world. And I think from a logical DC Comics standpoint, it was their way to reconfigure the current status of Earth One or whatever you want to call it because it it doesn't change everything back completely, which is genius. Like, it's it's a smart way to have this crazy event to just slightly alter the status quo of your earth to have a slight reboot or a you know like they had the the whole um they basically just changed like a couple things here and there and made that whole five-year thing which ended up being kind of bs because it was impossible to keep with that five-year thing but it was it was a smart way to kind of do a soft reboot and Mm -hmm. you can't do that if you're making it a multiverse like it doesn't work that way like so i think it's smart to say you know, the new status quo going forward is this now earth and we can kind of say like oh well That was all because of Flashpoint. This changed a little bit. This changed a little bit. Like, I I think it was done really well. And at the time, was that the plan for this to kick off the animated universe? Because I don't think it was, but we've kind of just headcanoned it that way. Well, I think
0: once they, I think with anything in these animated films, you know, if it does well. You you may you know continue to use it if it doesn't Mm. you know it's it is what it is. I think the success of this movie because it was well regarded, um, I led to them kind of piggybacking off of it and you know because the events of this are actually uh, brought up a few more times in like the when they reboot you know when they went into the quote unquote new fifty two films, because Justice League War. You know, this movie sets up Justice League War. Totally forgot about the Um, post
1: credit scene. You're right. Yes, it does.
0: Yeah. And then there's a plot point
1: uh, in it that
0: is revisited in in Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay.
1: Yes, which was such a cool reveal in that film. If you haven't seen that film, um, it is kind of a pseudo sequel to this, which is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, you know, it loosely, but... Constantine kind of looks into Barry's mind
1: in apocalypse war. And, and that's he how knows about this. Yes, that's right. Cause that's how they tie it in. And that's how they determine how to save the world in that case.
0: Yeah. So that's one really cool thing is this led into an entire DC animated universe. Mm-hmm. And if you want to watch an entire, you know, story from beginning to end, you can watch this all the way through apocalypse war and get like a full DC continuity which I mm-hmm. think is pretty cool.
1: It is. And it's um, a lot of films. It's it's a lot of homework. It's a lot of stuff to get through. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Like there's just a lot to it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Almost like the, you know, and I don't want to compare it to that, but this is, this is kind of like the DC version of the MCU. Like this is the closest way of doing that where it's almost like the episodic storytelling.
0: Yeah. And that's, I have, and I, I don't want to turn this into a, the flash episode, but you know, this has worked for kicking off uh, the new fifty two. It has worked very well for kicking off a DC animated universe. i I have high hopes that this is gonna work well to kick off the DCU on film. Um, because of all indications are pointing towards it is going to be a very good beginning. So I don't yeah. know, kind of trying to check my excitement, but I can't pretend, especially after watching this again, and kind of looking through my Flashpoint book and all that, <laughs> I'm
1: I'm I'm so excited, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I think I'm excited too because like, yes, it is an event. Yes, it is to kick off the, um, you know, the new DCU, but this is such an emotional story for Barry. Everyone wants to say like, oh, there's too many Batman in the family. And I know we're getting on a tangent again, but we are on the road to flash here. So I think it's relevant. Everyone's like, oh, there's Batman in it. You know, there's Supergirl in it. Like, is this even a flash movie? Well, to me, that's like saying is Flashpoint a flash movie? Cause it is like, just because these other characters are there. Like, I wouldn't consider this a Batman movie because Thomas Wayne is there, you know, like they're just, they're, they're fueling Flash's story. And my favorite part of flashpoint is the emotional aspect of, Barry saving his mom and having to deal with the mm-hmm. fact that him saving his mom ruined the world <laughs> because he messed with time. And and I love the the part where Eobor basically says like, oh, you're so noble. You went back and saved your mom. You didn't go back and stop the JFK assassination or, you know, stop Hitler from, you know, slaughtering uh, a bunch of, you know, starting the World War II or whatever. <laughs> but like you saved your mom. Good job. And you ruined the world by saving your mom. That's what was worth it to you. Like, I, I think that's, but who can like, who can blame someone for wanting to go back in time and save their mom? Like it's, it's an emotional story. And that's what I think I love that. Yeah. Despite all of the other great stuff that we got in this and we might get in the, you know, the flash film, it's still at its core, a flash movie.
0: Well, and that's a, that is a, a really good point uh, about what, you know, about what reverse flash says in that moment, because, as much as you hate to give credit to the villain and, and admit that he's right, I mean, technically, the Flash is the villain of this story. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he's the... Well, he's the catalyst yeah. for yeah, all
1: Eobard's just there to taunt him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah, really exactly. all he's there for. And the fact that he says something like, you now can't even erase me. Like, I'm just a... He's the paradox, right? Is that the case where eobard's technically the paradox now where he can't be erased but then batman just shoots him and he's like well i can still kill you um yeah (laughs) but that's what's so great about this is you assume that eobard has created this world and then when you find out no it's barry he doesn't even remember doing it which i think that will be a difference in the flash movie as we know that barry did it in the flash movie um yeah but yeah i i love the whole relationship between him and, and Thorn in this because Thorn is such a crazy creepy villain to see him throwing it in barry's face that no barry that's the best part about this i didn't do this you did mm-hmm. yeah i, I agree it's, it's
0: it gives you kind of a kind of an icky feeling when when he's laying all that out because as much as you love flash you cannot you can't help but you have to agree with with reverse flash uh which is a it's a it's a sucky situation Mm -hmm. um but i did want to ask you because there are so many different variations of of characters that we love um in this world uh did you have any did you have a favorite like alternate version of a dc character in this hmm
1: that's tough because they're like, do you go with the one that's so drastically different? Like Thomas Wayne. Cause I think he's so compelling or someone like cyborg cyborg is still cyborg. And I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Like cyborg is still cyborg in this film. No matter what world he's in, he's still the same. Mm-hmm. I think Lois Lane gets a lot of, of good moments in this. Steve Trevor gets a good moment in this. Um, Even though he's quickly dispatched. Exactly. But you still see him being a hero. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um,
0: By the way, I love the moment when he says, as he's standing in front of all these Amazons with the lasso around him, he says that Lois Lane is the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. That's one of my favorite parts. In front of of Diana. Yeah.
1: (laughs) One of my favorite parts of the movie, because it's, you know, obviously it's honest and you don't really hear Steve Trevor talk about Lois Lane too much. So it's a weird crossover there with the two of them. But of course, like I love that he has to say that. And in front of all these beautiful Amazons that are like, who the heck is Lois Lane? Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would have to say Thomas Wayne. It's a boring answer, but I think that is my answer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think to go the complete opposite route, I love that Cyborg is still Cyborg.
0: Yeah. I think
1: as much as I love, um,
0: Batman um I th- and this is unfair to this movie it's unfair to uh the flashpoint book um and I know I might I might catch some flack for this the Tom King run on Batman kind of tarnished Thomas Wayne Batman for me just a little bit
1: yeah, because he made him a villain, and he like I I feel like he didn't get who Thomas Wayne was in this story. But yeah, I don't want to go down that road.
0: No, and, and I can't help but think that, think about yeah, that I, when I see him now. Um, I don't. So, I,
1: I ignore it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't even. To me, they're two different characters. Like that's yeah. almost like an Elseworlds version of this version. Like, mm-hmm. They they don't yeah. even seem like the same character at all. Yeah, and, and you know the
0: the new Flashpoint Beyond, it, it kind of walks that back a little bit.
1: So it's like what the hell happened in that book, that book. I, I still, I would have to read that book a few times to understand that book. I don't know if I'm just an idiot, but that book confused the hell out of me. (laughs) But either way, um, so as much as I'd love to say it's Thomas Wayne Batman,
0: I, I I just can't, um, for me, it's kind of a tie between this world's Shazam, which is Captain Thunder Mm -hmm. and this world's Superman. Mm-hmm. because they're just so different but still you know there's there's so many aspects that you see like i love the idea with captain thunder in this is that the kids all turn into one being
1: mm-hmm.
0: like it's kind of a shared consciousness
1: yes and definitely I a like cool that take on that yeah definitely a cool take on that
0: yeah and even tawny tiger or ta Talkie tawny excuse me um even he is part of the collective right doesn't he turn into part of shazam
1: oh i don't even remember that you might be right though but i and talking about the pg-13 rating i mean billy gets like slaughtered (laughs) yes that is that's from the book that's straight from the book but man like killing children in this too like crazy exactly Exactly.
0: but i mean I, i applaud that they you know they had the you know, the fortitude to go there.
1: Yeah, I mean theoretically everyone in this movie dies. So yeah, he was going to die anyway.
0: And then the Superman it's just so interesting to me because he is he is the Superman that we kind of by the end he's kind of the Superman we know, um even though he's like this emaciated skinny Superman because he's been trapped under, you know, Uh, He's been trapped underground for all these years. Mm -hmm. He's never had exposure to the sunlight, so he didn't become, you know, the Superman that we know. Um, But. It terrifies him when he is, you know, when he initially escapes with Batman and the Flash and Cyborg, it terrifies him that he's killed these people. But at the end of the movie, like you see that this is a Superman that did not have the raise, you know, the raising and the morals of Jonathan and Martha Kent, because at the end of the movie, he is just mowing people down.
1: Oh, yeah, and I applaud it, to be honest with you. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> it's always easier to do that kind of stuff in the Nell's Worlds type of story, or you know, it, it is, type of thing, but I still, it makes sense. Like, why, like, they're at war in this movie. Like, I'm sorry, the killing rule does not count in something like this as drastic as this, but, um, yeah, like, he's, he's still the same person at heart, but he's ignorance, not the right word. He's just so innocent because he, he's like a child still he's had no upbringing whatsoever he's just been locked away and he's he's like a caged animal that still luckily has that heart to him mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I agree i i like the interpretation of superman and that's one of the side stories that i would like to read eventually because i i am not familiar with what they did with that story at all Um, in the books as far as what was fleshed out with it and this whole Project Superman thing. But I, I do like what they gave us in this because he becomes a really big part at the end of this, which he should. Superman should be the big savior at the end to help them out. But... Yeah, and
0: that's the part I like is that, you know as much as these characters are different, there's still, there's those core elements, you know, cause of course, like you just said, Superman is going to be the savior at the end. And he very much is, even though this is a radically different Superman, that, that piece is still there. Kind of like you said with, with cyborg, he's still cyborg, you know? Um, well, and,
1: and even Batman, that's why like what you said about the Tom King run, like is, is so bothersome is because this, this Batman, He's still Batman at its core. It's just the next level of extreme because you're you're now changing the dynamic of okay, what would happen to a child that lost their parent? What would what road would they go down? No, flip that. What would happen to a parent that lost their child and their wife because of this this um because of what happened? That's mm-hmm. we're getting just that that little bit darker of a Batman. He's still trying to. I mean, he's not really trying to be a hero, but he's trying to to rid the world of evil. But he's just doing it in a much more drastic way because he dealt with a more drastic situation than Bruce did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then
0: speaking of Batman and and Bruce, um, my favorite part of the book, and of course, because I'm a I'm a Batman sucker, it's probably um, everyone's and my... favorite.
1: Because we all know what you're going to right now, and I, I yeah, think it's pretty much everyone's favorite part of the book.
0: And my favorite part of the movie Mm -hmm. is, you know, the letter that Thomas gives Barry to take Mm -hmm. back to Bruce. And I don't know, just, you know, and and not to bring the room down, but knowing, you know, that we that we don't have Kevin Conroy anymore. I don't know. It just made me grin hearing Conroy say you're a hell of a messenger Mm -hmm. Um, because that's that's just become a line that everybody loves uh, from this movie. Mm-hmm. and hearing conroy say it again just i don't know it made me smile i love the moment um and you don't get to you
1: don't get to see what the letter says in the movie correct you only see a couple words i don't even think you see the whole letter in the book it's it's cut off isn't it even in the um, book you don't see the whole thing i don't think you see the whole thing but i do think you see more you of see it more than of it. You... you definitely see more of it yeah
0: yeah yeah, you see kind of like portions of it, and I think it's expanded on in some other work, um, related to Flashpoint. I can't mm-hmm. remember hundred percent, but anyway, yeah. You, the point is, you don't need to know what it says. Um, oh, you just no. need to you just need to know that it's a letter. Uh, as soon as Batman recognizes Thomas's handwriting, mm-hmm. and and then you hear the you're a hell of a messenger, and you know Batman's choked up. Man, that gets me. I love it.
1: And I, I can sympathize with that because, like, I would recognize my father's handwriting instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's something that you just... And I don't know. My father has very distinct handwriting. I don't know if that's just because of that. But I do, like, I I would recognize my dad's handwriting always. So, like, it's, it's cool that, like, they decided to go that route for whatever reason. And, yeah, like, that's when the emotion starts kicking in right away. When, like, the minute he sees that it, this is clearly from his father, like... How do you comprehend something like that? Yeah,
0: yep, I completely agree. It's uh, it's tough, and you've got to think that Bruce has spent years like reading his dad's notes and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. medical medical notes that he's made. Yeah, that's a
1: good point too. Yeah, his diary or whatever. Like, if you want to, to yeah,
0: you've got to think that's that's a thing. So instantly recognizing that's really cool, and. I love that, that, that whole conversation about how like Barry remembers, even though his mom is gone, you know, the, the world has returned to normal where his mom did die. Um, but he has these memories from this alternate, you know, timeline where he remembers birthday spent with her and just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these, these holidays and occasions and just all these memories and he's questioning it, and Bruce tells him maybe it's a gift, yeah, you know, I love that too, because you have these two characters that we love, you have the Flash and Batman, and they both have these gifts from their parents at the end of the film,, mm-hmm. which I think is
1: a great capper for this movie oh yeah and and not to get you know too overly sappy or sentimental here, but like as we're getting older, and you know with our families and stuff, and you look back at your your time you know in this world and like all you have is your memories so whether it's from an alternate reality or not like that memory is just as vivid probably to flash as a memory that like you and i have like trying to like um put it into like realistic terms which is hard to do but like a memory is all you have. So like people always say like our memories are mostly false, but because we remember them the way they are, who's to say it's not real or not, because that's all you have. And it's such a cool way to kind of, um, uh, To to get you to relate to these characters, because everyone has those memories and and you can you can relate to having a memory and and making that your reality So I I think that's a really smart way to do it. And that's the stuff that I really love about these films and that that make you go a little deeper. It's not just the, the popcorn fun or the you know, the crazy animation and the fights and all that there's, there's a lot of emotion in these stories. I, I give DC a lot of credit and, and credit to Jay Oliva for bringing that out of the actors and the the, the performances and stuff. But yeah, I, I love that stuff. Mm. Yep. Completely agree.
0: Um, but I, I do think, you know, with that emotional ending and gosh, it looks like that's going to happen and it, it looks like we're going to get some emotion in the flash film itself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a, that's a good place to to tie it off for, uh, this look back at 10 years of Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. Again, not without its nitpicks, but I I think well worth anyone's time. And one that I, I, I never mind revisiting. And I can't believe it's 10 years old. Um, but Joe, uh, that we're not quite finished yet. Oh, real quick. Did you have anything else for Flashpoint Paradox or
1: you good to nope, go. Nope, that's that's a good place to, to wrap that okay. up. I think I think we covered pretty much everything. Awesome. Well, we're not going to
0: leave you guys yet, though, because we do have some emails from listeners, and we want to make sure we get to those. So without further ado, our first email is from Lee Anchorit. Hello, Lee. Good to hear from you again. And he says, hello, gents. Hope you're both doing well. I've just finished listening to your Bane episode. Great listen, as always. And I had some thoughts. Full disclosure, I'm listening on a beach in Greece and have already had many beers, so apologize (laughs) if I actually start repeating your own comments. Firstly, Batman and Robin was also my first introduction to the character back in 97, but I have to admit it was the absolute perfect character design to get a seven-year-old boy excited. You already touched on his design visual aesthetic, but let's be honest. Having him as a master tactician absolutely would not have worked in the tone of that film. I still like him as is in the particular film. I actually didn't read Nightfall until about five years ago, and definitely agree it loses some spark once Asbats takes the lead. I haven't read the Tom King run, and although you painted a good picture for Bane, your Batman comments hardly sold it to me, so that one is still low down on my to-do list. Comics-wise, then, do you think it is possible to give Bane his full credit in a short story setup? Can you really get a feel for his intelligence and tactical skill if it is not spread over a long arc? Is this why he is mostly seen as a Merc for Hire on much shorter stories, so that he can still be included on a regular basis? The Merc for Hire approach also has its problems, though, as they need to make sure he is not just a Deathstroke Deadshot clone story-wise. It seems a difficult task to write for an iconic Batman villain, in my opinion. Finally, I have another thought for a future episode. As you are both such well-read Batman comic fans, would you perhaps consider an episode listing either your top five favorite Batman comics stories or perhaps your top five comic recommendations that casual readers are perhaps not aware of? I know lost episodes aren't the most original, but I definitely appreciate them, especially if they give me suggestions of what to read view in the future. I think you meant comics episodes.
1: I think you meant list. Um, That might've been maybe, maybe list. Maybe. Yeah.
0: As always, thank you for all of the hard work you put into the podcast. I always look forward to the next episode. All the best. Lee. Well, Lee, that was a doozy. Um, but thank you so much. Those are some awesome thoughts there. Um, and I do want to get into those. I will let you know, Joe, we're going to hold off on the last, uh, question he asked there about the future episode until we read the next email. Um, but to just dive into this one, firstly, Lee, I hope you had a great time in Greece. Um, hope you had a great vacation (laughs) so far as Batman and Robin completely get it. Um, with the, with the age range, you were there. Um, Bane was, he looked really cool in Batman and Robin. So at that age, completely get it. And no, I don't think the tactician Bane would have worked in, in that particular uh, version of Batman. And then so far as the arc uh, for Bane, you know, it's a great question. And I do think you're, you've got a point there about why you see Bane used so often as just like a mercenary, because you do for a proper Bane story, I do think you need a lot of setup, which is why we don't see it a lot. But again, as I said on the last episode, I think it's why it's so effective when you do, because Bane, when you give him uh, the proper setup, he's a terrifying villain for Batman. So yeah, I, I'm with you there. I do think you're you're on track. Um, but Joe, so far as you know what what Lee mentioned here. Uh, with Batman and Robin, and then
1: for for Bane's arc, what do you think? So I agree with him with Batman and Robin. I, I don't think the tactician angle would have worked. I think it is with the tone of that movie, it's hard to do anything but what they did. And you know what they they got the aesthetic, other than the whole green hulking thing, whatever. Um, the aesthetic is there; it's appealing for the younger audience, which is what they wanted. Again, that movie was what it was. Um, they introduced us to the character and you know what if you want to take something positive out of that movie it's hey this is a new character that you might never never heard of go look him up now mm-hmm. um as far as the arc of bane i i think we touched on that a little bit in the bane episode because i think we did agree that like how do you use this brilliant tactician in a short arc because you can't if you use it in a three-issue arc like how brilliant could he have been if he was defeated so easily? And I, I think that is a really tough thing with the character. I think it's hard to to find a way to use him without making it this big sweeping thing. And I also want to say, like, yeah, we we're not huge fans of the Tom King run, but give it a shot because it is polarizing. Some people absolutely love it. And for me personally, I've said this nonstop. I think Tom King's story ideas are brilliant. There's just something mm-hmm. about the way he writes that isn't for me, but I think the stories are great. So like I, I'm excited about Tom King being involved in the DC movies because I think his story ideas are great. I just want, you know, I hope that the combination of a Tom King story and maybe a, a director that I love would make for a great movie. So again, if you, if you're interested in, in Bane as a character, I think you give it a shot. You might like it. Not everyone is going to have the same opinions as me and Eric goes. And then a lot of people don't, a lot of people love that arc. So give it a shot. Don't, don't take me and Eric's a um, little bit of negative towards it as a reason to not give it a shot.
0: No, I, I agree with that because there is a ton of people that do love that run. Um, eh like you said it's it's polarizing and whenever something is polarizing that means there's there's a good amount of people that like it and it um, means there's so, something
1: to it it's worth having a conversation about like just because we don't like it doesn't mean it's not worth um mm-hmm. checking out because yeah, like I, I give him credit for making something that's polarizing. I mean, listen, we're big Zack Snyder fans, nobody more polarizing than him. We just happen to be on the the, the good side of that, <laughs> where with Tom King, we just aren't quite on the positive for him and you have different tastes. And I, I will always give a writer credit for making something that is ambitious, even if it doesn't work for me. And he definitely is ambitious and he does his thing and, and he, he commits to it and so so please do not do not dismiss it because we weren't crazy about it uh give it a shot and i'll be honest with you the one plus the tom king there is not a lot of words it will take you about an hour to read like 20 issues like he you can zip through that whole thing i'm not even like it is quick Mm -hmm. i completely agree um and yeah uh, i
0: i echo what you what you said about you know, Tom King's run, I completely think you should give it a shot, even though it's not completely for us. There's plenty of people that it is for. So and, absolutely give it a try. And the
1: art is fantastic.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely agree with that. Um, but so far as your third, your uh, third kind of topic there, Lee, hang tight. Um, we will get to that. Uh, but thank you so much for the email. Uh, Moving on, our uh, our next email here is Stuart from Guernsey, and he says, Hey, guys, it's Stuart. I have a show recommendation for you. Would you both be interested in ranking your top five Batman comics? I think I could guess (laughs) two of yours, but I would be interested to know the rest and also the listeners' lists. Anyway, hope you guys are doing well. Keep up the good work on the show. Stuart. So I guess my first question for you, Stuart, is are you were you on the beach in Greece with Lee? (laughs) Because you guys are kind of simpatico there. Uh, But, Joe, we have two back to back emails with listeners asking us to do a top five Batman comic ranking episode or our personal rankings. So
1: I don't know. What do you think? It sounds like something we may have to do in the future. I think it would be really fun. and I, I like Lee's idea where um recommend things that maybe wouldn't be the obvious choice because, um, I think our top would be almost like too obvious but I maybe we could do something kind of like what we did with the conroy um voice um you know the batman voice actors where it's like let's zip through the obvious ones and really talk about some that you know aren't as obvious or aren't as recognizable maybe find a happy medium there somehow and, and discuss uh, a bunch of comics i'm kind of surprised we haven't done that yet now that i'm thinking about it but um that would be a lot In- of fun you know, what's funny is we're getting
0: to that point and yeah, it's no, it's not like we have hundreds of episodes in the can or anything like that, but we're getting to that point um, where we have enough episodes now that when I was reading both of these emails, I was like, have we not done this? I
1: think it's <laughs> a, yeah, like also because we're, we're really, um, we've done a lot of like shorter anniversaries or anniversaries that like other shows have covered but because we're a newer show we're like finding ways to talk about like the big ones and we have a couple big ones coming up this year Mm. that other shows have all talked about that we haven't gotten a chance to um i actually suggested to you a specific comic that i want to cover in the next couple months hopefully and uh, so we're talking about doing that and i think it's because we don't cover the news that we cover a lot of like um specific topics that um we've gotten to cover a lot of fun stuff so yeah I'm surprised I I guess we haven't done a lot of specific lists like that for comics we've done characters but we've never done mm. comics I think that would be a really fun idea.
0: I had to go back and look through the episode list and and I was just searching and searching and I was like nope I guess we have it but I was shocked because it sounds yeah. like something you and I would do. Um but an answer to that question for Stuart and for you Lee um. Yes, I think that is an episode we are going to have to do. I will let you know it may be a little while. Uh, we do have some things on the docket that we have coming. We definitely have, you know, our next episode, which is. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. Our next episode is going to be ten years of Man of Steel, which I am so excited about, and that is our next uh, stop on the road to the Flash, for obvious which is reasons. One
1: of the, it's one of the few non batman episodes we haven't done an anniversary that's not batman related
0: that's That's probably
1: the first one and i remember asking you like listen i I, are we covering that is that okay (laughs) and you're like oh we're covering that one (laughs) because i know that's your favorite dcu movie so um i was like we're covering that right and it's too too relevant to the flash i think it worked out too perfectly yep Absolutely.
0: So that will be our next one. And then we do have, of course, the flash after that, uh, that's coming. And then we haven't, we have the next episode after that already lined up. Um, and Joe just kind of mentioned, it's going to be a comic. So we are getting back into comics soon, but I'm going to keep this idea on, on the docket. And you guys are going to hear this soon. Cause, cause this is actually an idea that I'm excited about. And I love that you guys are sending in, Um, ideas for episodes of the show. That's what we wanted. We wanted this engagement with the audience. So thank you, Lee. Thank you, Stuart, um, for your emails and your suggestions there. Uh, But Joe, um, I think this is where we're going to, we're going to sign off for the night or for the day, whenever you're listening to this. Um, Man, next time I talk to you, you will have seen The Flash. And I'm very, very jealous of that. I just want to say that again. Um, but thank you so much for, for joining me again and, and being an awesome co-host and, um, you know, gloat a little bit about going to see the flash tomorrow and then let everybody know where they can find you on social media.
1: Well, like I was telling you before, I, I still get nervous when I'm going to see these pre events, the, you know, the pre-screening events, because they, they overbook these things and I'm always worried something's going to happen where I'm not going to make the cut or I'm going to be late. So I'm not. I'm still excited. I I can't wait. I I can't believe I'm going to get to see it. Um, Please. If anyone's listening that does get to see it tomorrow and I confirm that I did see it um, and you guys want to talk about it, private message me, please. Um, You know, I don't want to obviously be talking about this freely on social media to ruin it for everybody else. And I won't be able to talk to Eric for the next month about anything because uh, what else am I going to talk to him about? Obviously if I, if I've seen the flash, I only want to talk about the flash
0: so um we're gonna talk about man of steel joe
1: that's what we're gonna talk about (laughs) (laughs) and how it compares to the flash no No, we're um, not (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah um i i'm so excited for that so yeah please anyone um anyone who does see it tomorrow uh you know enjoy it um and uh i'm actually right now as we sign off i'm gonna go finish my uh my rewatch of zack Snyder's justice league i got disc 2 you know cuz eric you know me i can't finish these damn movies all in one sitting anymore so i finished disc 1 <laughs> earlier and i'm going to pop in disc 2 uh tonight to finish that up and and wrap up my rewatch and i i can't believe i'm actually getting to see this tomorrow so um everybody enjoy the ride if you don't get to see it enjoy the next 2 3 weeks cuz that is fun the the ride is part of the fun this kind of cut my ride short i'm not complaining but man, I can't believe it's finally here. So uh, I'm still looking forward to covering Man of Steel, though uh, next for the next episode and and enjoying the ride with you guys, whether I see it or not. So so thank you again for having me for this episode, Eric. And uh, yeah i I just can't I can't believe we're here already. But yep. if you guys want to, I don't even remember now because I've rambled so much. Did you tell me to to plug everything? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, let everybody know where they can find
1: you. I'm still, I'm still a little giddy about seeing the Flash tomorrow. I apologize. Um, but yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as j 4 11 And you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornarano, F O R N A R O T T O.
0: Thank you so much. And yeah, if you guys hear another voice on the other side of the podcast on the Man of Steel episode, you'll know that Joe uh, spoiled something and he's permanently banished. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but so far as myself, if you'd like to find me on social media, my personal accounts can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and letterboxd. That's me, Carter eighty nine, M E Carter eighty nine, um, and the show can once be once again be found at TFR Batpod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have any thoughts, uh, opinions, suggestions, like Lee and Stuart did today, you can reach us by email at TFR Batpod at gmail.com if you'd like to support the show the easiest and best way that you can do that is to leave us a rating review and review anywhere you listen to this podcast if you do leave a written review on apple podcasts we will read them on the show if you're looking for another way to support the show we don't ask that you spend anything on us but if you'd like to we greatly appreciate it you can go to uh, redbubble.com and search shop TFR. That's all one word. You can find our logos on all kinds of things there. Our wonderful theme music was created by the very talented Gorov Venkateswar. And you can find his work on gvtunes.net. But thank you guys so much for joining us on this road to the flash. We can't wait to talk more about it soon. But until then, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.
1: Just to review, you broke the chronal barrier, went back in time, prevented your mother's murder, and completely changed the time stream. Nearly destroying the entire world along the way, yes.
0: There's still something I don't understand. I remember all of it. Not just what happened after I woke up there, but my whole... Other life. I remember every birthday cake my mother ever baked me. My room. Everything. Perhaps some kind of temporal after effect?
1: Or perhaps, it was a gift. Yes, a gift. This is my father's handwriting. messenger.